Howdy folks, it is Sunday, May 6th, 2012. I'm Skip Ruddertail, your Otter Editor, and with me, as always, is... Let me think for a second. Toonses, that's right, Toonses, the driving cat. It's been a while, you had to, you had to think about it, huh? Yeah, I was thinking, okay, what are my other alter egos? Right, right. I have to, I have to bring this person out of the front forefront. Your luchador persona. Luchador? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so we're getting into the, into the Mexicans I, already. I think we are, yeah. We're, we're just in throwing it out there. But yeah, it's been we a couple weeks. So, uh, you know, Tea Cat here had T-Cat. to be home visiting the folks in yep. Pennsylvania. So, you know, these Getting things happened. Had to get yeah, out of the city it was, for a bit. It's just supposed to be one weekend and then it turned into two. These things happened. So we had a little break there, but you guys are all cool. Sorry, we're everybody. Cool. It's oh my, my fault God. as usual. Oh, my God. No. Blame tenses, because that's usually, you know, the right track. You know, eventually, eventually, you know, once we've, you know, like the car talk guys, once we've been doing this for 30 years or so, we'll just throw up, we'll just throw up castle, we'll we'll throw up classic episodes while we're on vacation or whatever. Yeah, a story from 30 years ago. Right, like, (laughs) this week's story is a classic episode, so please don't call it. Yeah, because people were calling in before. Our operators are standing by. Hey, we got a comment. We did get a comment from somebody. Yeah, yeah that made me happy. Yeah, we got comments. And they liked the story. They did like the story. It's a good story. So, yes, we have... Uh, it's always good when people don't hate everything you're doing. That is true. I, I usually... <laughs> I, I usually find that to be the case. They hate everything you're doing. Well, you know, if every... If, I mean, so how if often people do it happen, hate it, you can Oh, pretty often, but you can still operate through it. just got to be really tenacious. I guess that's probably what Obama's like every day. It's like, that man, it's always... It you know, like. occasionally, once in a blue mood, he's like, it was a pretty good day. <laughs> it's always good when people don't hate everything you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. that's Obama, was right. like that, that was like the day, he, you know, after they got Osama. You know, it's like, oh, not everybody hates everything, <laughs> Uh, so yes, we we read where angels. Well, don't politicize that though. Don't politicize it. Too late. That's an American. I think I think people by this point have a pretty good idea of our socio and political inclinations. Do you think this is a pro America story? Well, let's let's introduce it first. Okay. That. So it is where angels fear by White Yodi. And it was read for us by Buck Hopper. Wonderful reading. Oh my god, incredible. Buck Hopper, excellent job. Tremendous reading. We're thrilled. Uh, It must have been all the foam on the walls. It was probably... It was probably the foam on the walls. That must have been what it was. You should hear him when you're just talking with him in a room. Does he carry around like a a box, like a three-sided box that he just puts over your head? If you're talking with Buck and it's just like a normal room with no foam on the walls, he's like... Hi, I'm Buck Hopper. How are you? And I'm like, whoa, Buck. <laughs> is that how you You're really feel? You're a little feel? different than I thought. Is that's, that how you really feel? That's exactly. That was the first time I met him. It took me like five minutes to figure out who he was. So you think the foam is just to you know, make I his think voice the foam, deeper? The foam is key. <laughs> and he says we sound like chipmunks. Yeah, we do. I know. Right. Exactly. That was my thing. It's like we're chip and we're chipmunks. Come on, dude. We just didn't buy the foam. I'm sorry. We don't need to pad our walls. Right. <laughs> Except for mental health reasons. Uh, but no, thank you, Buck. It was a good reading. And I uh, hope you don't mind the little ribbing. I don't know. I, I just The thing about the foam is... I can't afford We don't it. have a room to put the foam in. That also. Yeah. Yeah. The living room, eh, it's a different aesthetic that I'm going for. I mean, my room's pretty much a closet already. And if you were to walk room. into a closet that had a bed in it and like foam on the walls, you really would think this person has an issue or two. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to work where okay. I'm living. I get kicked out. When you, when you lure the... Other guys home. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. Like, they in come like, in. They're like, "Whoa, <laughs> why is this soundproof?" I was in on this when you put the muzzle on me, but not anymore. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah this that's was what I'm uh, calling the eagle again. I think. Uh, I mean, the writing is fantastic. White Yodi's mm-hmm. writing Writing's is quality writing. Always fantastic, and it's always a pleasure. And I have that great dialogue. It's always too. a pleasure to read. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because dialogue is the easiest thing to mess up and make something unreadable, especially when you're trying to... Um, it's clearly a romantic mm-hmm. uh, storyline here. Is. So if, you, if the characters can't speak to each other naturally, you're going to be you know, off to a false start just to mm-hmm. begin with. Absolutely. But no, I thought excellently written. Well, I, I, and, and maybe let's start with your... I kind of wanted to throw out the writing's good, so we almost don't have to talk about it because the writing's good, I think. Oh, yeah, and so let's know. talk about... I think we can agree on that. And that gets us into, okay, what can we talk about? Well, we could talk about... Do you think it's a pro-America story? What's happening in the story and the implications of the story and the different personas. And that's a good place to start, a pro-America story. Um, but before before you say that, I just want to say, if, mm-hmm. this, if this story tastes like anything, it tastes like freedom. Like, but that like, like corn said, syrup, like corn syrup and freedom. Yeah, and that way, but see, that's I think an example of the good writing. No, we're well, already cause, cause back the, um, into the good writing because it was definitely tongue in cheek and it was definitely said with a wink. And I like the way you described it. It's almost like offensively sweet, almost like, right. Almost like yeah, like th- uh, too thoroughly sweet. Uh, how they described I think it. The surface reading of the story, where you, if you ask that question, is the story pro American? Is the first reading is like, well, it isn't about America or. You'd say, well, yes, it's it is because getting, they're trying well, okay. to get to America. It's about America because, you know, North America and South America comprise America. There's that, too. But other that, than that is a smart-ass explanation. It's, it's, but it's still a story about the United States because, you know, the United States is the, is the goal of the whole enterprise right. here. I mean, it, the, the guy's working for a paper in the United States. His uh, 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 entire... He, we're, he, we're, we're even back in Boston by the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire... Uh, first half of the story is about getting to the United States. Right. Uh, do you think this uh, conveys uh, a, a, a message that the United States is itself like a, a jewel or undesirable? No. Well, I think it's condemning of the United States in part because what for the United policy? States? Is, right. The United States is why this problem is happening. As much as it a goal, it is also the cause. Of this problem, and then you could say, well, and and I mean, not just but the where border. The story po- is wait, 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 wait. Not just the border policy, but in terms of the the global economic things happening that make this big difference on one side of the border and the other. Now I have a question: Is that the um, is is that the context you put it in? yourself or is that the context it's it's captured in the story because in the story i don't read very much that is very critical of the united states all i ever really read is people that are very um willing to enter the united states and there's actually a time at the story in the story where um what's the, what's the journalist's name again the lead character uh, but basically he's saying that he won't he won't judge us. whether he won't judge whether what trago does is is good or bad mm-hmm and I think that's, um, you know, maybe it might be better to take a stance on this, to give the story a bit more life rather than just to be noncommittal. To- I mean, my, my problem is that it's, I think it ultimately just boils down to a romance. Well, and I think the romance ends up taking, like, um, you know, the, 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 the driver's seat here and the actual issues of, like, immigration and nationality and, and so on are kind of put to the back seat. I think that's what is condemning, actually, in the story about the United States. And that's where it comes through, is, is something you just said, is that the <clears throat> author's stance is so neutral for most of the story and separated from the events happening. Right. And that's... that's that's the subtext in this story that is condemning of the United States. Because it, it, I think the story says this is, you know, in a large degree, this is our fault. And yet we act as if, oh, that's an internal to Mexico problem. But where in the Even story as, you get that? Because he can't be neutral. And this is, this is where I'm getting that. You know, that that, that is an untenable position. Neutrality is untenable. Yeah. For him. Because of this romantic entanglement. That, you know, he wants to go in. This is, this is why the story, I think, gets beyond. Like, if you had written the story as, you know, U.S. policy is bad. A lot of, it, it's kind of a surface story. And yes, maybe it's 
at some levels, it kind of expands and educates better on the topic. This is saying U.S. policy is bad by looking at impacts on individuals without trying to illustrate over the larger topic as whole. But then you, so the reader, read, the person reading exactly without being too, but the person reading this says, "Wow, this is really bad." I mean, what happened to these people? This is really sad. And what are the implicate? Why is that the case? Why is this sad? What's going on? Um, and and so this is a kind of, you know, this is a kind of story about a guy who tries to put himself in a situation where he is there and observing, and he can't be. It's an untenable space for him. Right. Um, he can't stay there. Is what you're saying? Yeah, he can't stay there. Mm-hmm. And and that's where kind is of that the where the romantic energy really comes from, though. That is where the romantic energy. That's part of that. But I we were talking about this larger concept of is there a kind of political message that we can attach to the story, and I think there can, and I think it's done in the best possible way because it isn't didactic and it isn't over the head, and on the surface the story doesn't look like it's about it at all. It looks right. like it's about a romance in spite of. The political said, and, uh, and I guess and, I prefer just the Upton Sinclair didacticism, where he just smashes you over the head with it enough times so you can't ignore it. Be- I think because I I, I I don't know maybe I wasn't reading enough of the subtext, mm-hmm. but just the the whole message of the story where like just it gets the United States, the United States is, is the place to be. I think it's just it doesn't really even seem well, to reflect like, the, like the reality like, right now when uh, yeah. it actually seems as if emigration. From the United States, from migrant workers, is actually is is, yeah is increasing well, while I think it's immigration like, into the it, country is like slowing down. The grapes of wrath. It's like reading that, and yes, they're they're all the time trying to get to California, California, California. They get there, and it's not it's not really any good. Yeah, it's no heaven. Um, and and I think that's kind of you know getting the U.S. is filling fulfilling the same kind of role. It's a similar story, and. With all respect to Upton Sinclair, I would argue that in many ways the way we tell stories has grown more sophisticated right. in the hundred years, and so you don't need so you don't need that same didacticism well, to the way the, the way it comes off to me is if without the didacticism, it comes off much less conveying a message and more so using a context for um, an, an intriguing storyline. Mm-hmm. Basically, I, I think he's just kind of using the high drama of, of border crossing and that kind of... Uh, I but, think it's such just, a... Just to make the, the, the romance a bit more uh, dramatic, really. That's it. That's the I way it reads to me. I would argue if it, that might be the case for two reasons. One, I, I have too much respect for White Yodi right. to feel that he, he would just do that. Um, two, I think the issue is such a politically charged one. He's writing this story. I mean, it's a, it's a new well, do story. You know what? Do you He's know his... writing it in an election year. He lives in California. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so he, this is, you can't write a story about crossing. I, I would argue that it is impossible to write a story in the United States in 2012 about crossing the Mexican border without having a political implication in the story. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You can, you can, you'd have to read that into anything that's been published. But I just would prefer be. A you bit wouldn't. More I, I would say you would not write the story if you didn't. If you didn't have intend a political linkage. But then I, I just wonder why the the romance seems to take center stage on it because it, it's. It, because, it's and I said, and I argue because it's a sophisticated story, and that's why the romance takes the center stage. Because he doesn't need. Because he's using this accessible romance something that we can connect with a thousand you know mm, see like i don't i just don't connect miles with, from the border <laughs> as an ex, as a way to access this larger political issue but that is what in i'm ways saying that we is, can understand maybe this is just me but when we're talking about like serious issues something like 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 a romance tacked onto it just confuses me i don't know mm-hmm. if that's just how i tend to read things but i always feel as if like the the the, the drama should be the drama and if the drama is, is is a border crossing, the political implications of it, I don't want to see some some romance that's going to start muddying the water there. I always feel like that's that's just my my. I think the two are opinion. inextricable, though, in this in, case. Inextricable? What, what do you mean? Well, that the. I mean, they're happening because of each other. 
is, is what I'm trying They're to say. They're happening because of each other? You know, the, the, the romance, he's there. He's falling in love because he's there to document the border crossing. Right. And, and the drama of the border crossing is heightened because this is somebody now that he loves. And, and, this and is it the ends thing. with him giving and his life basically to him. this is the thing that forces the American to become involved. Or at least to not be neutral anymore. This is, this is the thing because... Because he uh, suffered this great personal loss. Because he's in love. You right. know, he can no longer be neutral. But I still don't see a payoff there. I mean, the end of the story is him pretty much just telling his his, his work buddies he wants to be left alone and having a conversation mm-hmm. with the Kowati immigrant mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. maid worker. I don't mm-hmm. know the term you want to use specifically. Uh, I just... I, 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 I feel like as if like I'm biting at the apple and there's nothing there. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's I feel as if there's no payoff in the political dialogue in this story. Well, there's an obvious well, there's payoff no, in the romantic there's dialogue no, in the story. And, and I think maybe your frustration... It sets it into a world where you can easily like project your own views mm-hmm. and understand, like, you know, mm-hmm. and that, but it doesn't really tell a story in that world. I think your frustration is that, um, at least on the political side of things, there's no answer. And maybe that's where your frustration is coming from. If you're going in, and this is because you read so much about politics and in history, just like I do, but if you're going into this saying, oh, here, if you're looking for a discussion and an analysis of these issues of migration, um, this isn't it. It's more a this is important and it's affecting people's lives is there analysis or of what to do next no there isn't um if there was i think we'd kind of start treading into that territory uh that ronnie's interview story got into where we start crossing this line into it's, a kind of like, well, here's what we should do, you know, and 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 well, that's just dry, though. I mean, I like that well, I know, this story I'm, I'm, culminates at least in you know a high, a high action moment, like a, a gunfight at night out in the desert. That's mm-hmm. cool. They're not just like some guy interviewing a guy. Uh, that that's great. I just would. I don't know. I don't want to. Criti- I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing the story because it's as a romance, it's a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I, I can recognize that well enough. I just always feel unfulfilled i believe by romantic storylines that's oh, all okay is that it maybe because i you tell I, me i feel as if like that happens in real life all the time as a romance i mean i've lived a romance, <laughs> but um i don't know it's, i'm I, a very I'm, romantic I'm a, guy so yeah is that it i don't know i i guess mm, i'm I, I must be I, sound, my, my challenge for white right yodi still stand i i believe uh I, I've told White Yodi to, that he needs to write us a story with a happy ending, and we're still waiting on it. Uh, no, I didn't want. I don't want any happy. Ending I want a happy. Ending. So we got. We got it. I like sad endings. Pot. Well, we had a couple now, so I get a happy ending. One. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You okay. can have a happy ending or two. But no, I like <laughs> this one. Where, where... <laughs> but I'm pumped. Jeez, I'm crow. I shouldn't have walked right into it though. Yeah. I really should have seen that coming. And that's a wall that's clearly also marked. That's <laughs> Should have seen that coming. Uh, I'm, just not even, I'm not even thinking of things before I say them. Oh, uh, my goodness. Whatever. I, how can you not love me? <laughs> but no, I'm, uh, I'm, you're, I'm you're a very romantic guy, and, and I was... Um, I think one of the interesting things here is that... Well, we, we've definitely got racial implications here, and it's an interesting use. Of you don't think it's a little bit exploitative? Race. Well, it's interesting that here that we have our coyote is a coyote, and and that's Duh. so obvious. Uh, For no, those who don't understand the term. Interesting. Yes, go ahead. No, I was, I was actually prompting you. You'll give a better uh, definition right. every well, time. Well, uh, a coyote in... Uh, parlance of the Mexican border crossing is the usually guy who helps people cross the border. So he's sort of a guide. He's a professional border crosser. He's a professional border crosser. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. Uh, then who are the other demis we see? Animal people. Demis. Human ex-fairy, by the way. We haven't done that before. 
No we human ex furry before. We didn't see any sex this time, really. Not a hint of it. We got a hint of it. I mean, yeah. it was implied, but we faded to black if we were watching the movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then the screen went black, and then the kids were like, what happened? Like, Nothing. They kissed and fell asleep. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in this story. They kissed, they kissed and, fell asleep. and fell asleep. Yeah. Um, Look up sticky. But, right, the... <laughs> oh, God. So, the three demis, three, I believe, right? That's a cool that term, by the way, at least for furries, not calling the furries furries. Demis. That's cool. The three demis we see are all Mexican ancestry. They're all candid too, aren't they? No, Akata Mundi is oh, actually right. a raccoon. relative of the raccoon. The raccoon. So one of your kins. One of my. One kids. of your kin folk. <laughs> They're awesome too. I remember uh, down in Tikal, in uh, Guatemala, like this walking down the road in this family or herd or whatever you call them. About ten of them came down the road towards me, and they're all rooting through the leaves with their long noses and they've all got their tails straight up in the air which are about two feet tall oh wow so they keep they hold their tails straight up in the air like they're samurai flags or something <laughs> and they're all just going around the street like <laughs> like snorting and grunting to each other and it was very weird and very awesome that's cool so they're very cute um but yeah so so we have a but all the all the demis we see are, are Mexican ancestry at least, um, and we don't have any explanation of how they got to be, which I think is also interesting. Um, you know, a lot of down. a lot of right, and I think that's fine. I think you just kind of accept that it's not. It doesn't matter to the story. Yeah, because not every origin, not every story has an origin story for everything in it. Anyhow, I right. mean, you would just presume that that's yeah. just part of and, nature and, and, and I, story I, and go I with think it. that's something that I want to actually laud White Yodi for in this case because I think uh, a writer who is less practiced would feel, even in a story this short, would very often feel need to have throw in some kind of explanation there. Why are these people and why are they Mexican? You know, or why are there wolves and coyotes in a cloud of money? And he really doesn't in a world, in, in a... And you don't see that if everybody's people, but here's a world with people and animal people, and he doesn't explain it. And it's okay in this story. I think if he was going to write something longer, we'd probably need an explanation at some point. Do you think everybody okay should, have to, should have to put forth some kind of furry origin story? No, I don't. I you don't, don't think? Because no. you, I know you, you have you have your furry origin theory. I have some theories. favorites, yeah. You know my furry origin theory. Uh, furry origin theory is no. So basically, we're created in God's image, right? Mm-hmm. So one day, the furry gods appeared in appeared uh, in the air. They mm-hmm. had human god, and they killed him, and they said, "We are your gods now," and now we're furry people. Do they have to kill him? Well, yeah. If you're, we're presuming it's part of some kind of spiritual I mean, god warfare. Like, like Old Testament. That's what I'm going know. for. Okay. <laughs> That's my furry origin they story. No, no, no. They had to slaughter the old god to take over their followers. I actually, speaking of this, um, they identified just this week a gene mutation which seemed to have led towards the uh, greatly increased brain growth in humans. Which cool. emerged um, not very long ago, a couple million years ago, I guess. And it's a, you know, it's basically if there's an extra copy of this gene, our our ancestors' brains grew so big, and if there are extra copies of it, then they grew really big. And they said it's a kind of change that may have even happened in only a generation or two, wow. basically across Homo sapiens, like because it would have been so advantageous, and it probably would have led us to forming sophisticated language right. um, because our brains and that part of our brains grew so fast. So what I immediately thought, being the good fur I am, uh, is it's like, okay, so if there is this gene, could you do the same in other species? Yeah. Could you, you know, now that, that we're, would just now we're like at the point of, like, gene, like quality, of manipulating qualities. genes to this degree, could you say, okay, here's a gene that it seems to be directly responsible for increased brain growth and the development increased development of language centers and so what if we gave that to a raccoon so that instead of having an otter a, instead of homo sapiens we have canid sapiens mm-hmm, and so on so mm-hmm. on so on yeah because yeah. sapien just means yeah. uh intelligent or something like that yeah yeah homo so sapiens sapiens give that to an otter or a raccoon 
or yeah. cat. That's probably the most reasonable or- origin story I've, I've heard. I still like my god slaughtering one, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's one of the things I like about furry is that there are, there are different, you know, because the, the genre is kind of straddles a whole bunch of other genres and that you have fantasy explanations and you have you know historical explanations and you have science fiction explanations it's 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 like an interpretive framework for everybody and that's Mm -hmm. part of me like the the big fun in furry literature Mm -hmm. is just figuring out how this furry Mm literary framework is being used by somebody because everybody obviously has their own their own like interpretations of 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 the images right so i mean it's it's interesting to see it applied in such a political way here too because i don't think we've had such um distinct uh racial political Mm -hmm. uh uh uh, representations of 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 furriness before like in the story all of the uh outsider characters so to speak Mm -hmm. are demis right and it you know the human x furry thing does kind of gross me out though it's weird, you know. It's, it's too close to bestiality for funny me. Funny you mention that, but I usually don't like reading stories with um, humans and furries either. And I know we've talked a little bit about that, you know, in the past. And I think the only reason, like, I think it would be a bit more acceptable because there are often cases where it seems like there's a furry world, but there's a human in it. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite here. It's like human world with like a, a smattering furries of furries, in it. In it, which makes it seem really weird. But that, I think, as, as you said, that makes them serve very ably in this, and very naturally in this case, as oh, yeah. an other, you know, as a minority. Um, without, but I'm just about the without, sex specifically. Without feeling forced, without feeling over hit over the head about it, because they're not talking about that fact. You know, there's no, right. there's no again, in this story, there's no discussion that, you know, where they say, oh, we're, you know, we're a minority and we're being mistreated. You know, nobody explicitly says that, but right. you pick up all these things about it. Um, and then you pick up all these ways that they still have agency and that they still have, you know, possess power, right. even if it isn't equitable. You know, so I love, I mean, you you heard me in the car when when they talked about a little bit of strawberry and the yeah, that was funny. I laughed, you know. Yeah, you gotta kick out of that. Yeah, uh, because it was such. I, I mean, I love the idea, and it just it, it's it's a funny idea, but it also is again a, this really illustrative example of here are these people who figured out, you know, a slight advantage they have. Uh, it makes it that's especially what so much furry of life too. Is it's a furry it, thing. I mean, right. it's not something humans would do. It's not something animals would do. It's mm-hmm. something furries would do. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, really clever writing then. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's something that they would invent. Um, so, it, 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 uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was the kind of morality uh, of Trago when there is the confrontation in the desert. Right. Because we have, within the space of probably five, ten minutes here, not a very long amount of time. We go from Trago letting the guys shoot Mateo after Trago kicks him and stuff. Shoot Mateo. Right. And then, like I said, less than five minutes later, he's, Trago he's sacrificing himself, himself to, save. to save the other people in the yeah. car. That one I wasn't so sure about. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I think, one of the... This is maybe, for me, that's in where some think, ways, the most questionable part of the story. Yeah, and that's where, the, where the, the romance really starts to bridge with, you know, what would be, you mm-hmm. know, more just a focus on the drama. Mm-hmm. Because in a romantic storyline, that really does underline how much uh, uh, the, the, the journalist means to Trigo and, and their connection and just how important they are. But if you're just trying to think of it more, like, in terms of a drama, it makes no sense at all because he just gave up one guy... To um to to save the well, family, but he won't give does, up the other guy. It does make sense if he he gave up the one guy because the one guy wasn't honest with him. Oh, you think that's it? You know, he gave up. That's my read of it. He, he gave up the one guy because Mateo did not say that you know he'd stolen money. Did not tell him about that he'd stolen money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, and and there, but there's therefore, no questioning of this in the moment either. It's just kind of taken put all of them in danger, right? So that's okay. The other people, like the reporter, hasn't done anything to betray him. Hasn't put them 
in danger mm-hmm. through any fault of his own. Maybe his right. presence there puts him in danger, but through any fault of his own hasn't. And so it's it's this morality, which in some degrees I want to say is, you know, knowing what I know about, um, you know, the border trade and stuff is, is you know, romanticized. Like, would many coyotes do this? No, I don't think so. Um, and that's, that's Cody border crossers, not, you know, I don't want to be speciesist here. Um, but would, would many coyotes, you know, make this kind of sacrifice to save somebody? And from what I, you know, what, from at least what I've read, most of them are very much more cutthroat and, right. you know, just get their money, get them across the, get the people across the border. Sometimes don't even get the people across the border, but still get their money. Mm-hmm. Um, where, what I would see here then, um, and at first I was like, well, would he do that? And then it's like, but the story is, it reminds me of a Western. Um, if we're going back a to, a, to a genre. Well, right. We've got, we've got a standoff in the Mexican desert, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, classic. I mean, there's a setting That's there. True. And who are our Western heroes? You know, from the movies, like we've got, you know, Gary Cooper in High Noon, which is, you know, and or we've got, Maybe even better in this case because it's a it's a it's a suspect picture or a figure or a figure already living outside the law a rogue or someone has the devil in him as they yeah, say in the story. Yeah, the devil in him. Um, we're probably talking more about one of Clint Eastwood's characters from the Man with No Name trilogy. You know, who is a you know kind of outsider and comes in, kills people, has no problem doing so, and yet obviously lives by this particular moral code. Right. And that's why he's the hero of the movie, because even if it's not our moral code or it's a skewed moral code, it is still a moral code. Wasn't that part of the theme of Scarface, too? I don't know, did Which, he? by the way, I was wondering... They, I've was never... Only, I was I, wondering at what point did the guy become Scarface in um, Buck Hopper's reading. It did sound kind of like Scarface at some point. Well, I was thinking that. <laughs> I don't know. I, Scarface is one that I probably have to watch again because I, you know, watched it. I've only seen it once, and I didn't remember being hugely enamored of it. It's one of those movies so. that people love to misinterpret about. You know, Tony Montana must be a great guy. No, 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 no. It's about he's a terrible guy. Yeah, but oh, he goes out and he does you know fends for himself. No, that's not the point. He, he, right. you see, he kills a bunch of no, but he's like, yeah, he's a go getter. I mean, he gets the top of the pile. No, you're not understanding it. Yeah, it's frustrating. No, I think he's yeah. So I wouldn't, and I wouldn't say like that because I think you know Clint Eastwood's characters in the Man with No Name trilogy are usually significantly more moral, or I'd say they're always more moral. Yeah, than Scarface because you know they have this particular code and they won't. We need the morality to justify the violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah, a story. Um, and so yes, he isn't. Is he doing what is necessarily what we could say would be the most realistic thing? No. Is he doing the most realistic thing in terms of the conventions of a Western? Yes. In the terms of a romanticized storyline, yeah, he's doing what, yeah. what's necessary. Yeah. And I'm saying that's okay. I'm just okay. saying this I'm is saying where, kind of where the break really occurs for me. That's but just see, where it for is. me, I would argue that it doesn't have to be a realistic story to be a good one. I thought it would have been a much better story if he just got, gotten out of the car and gotten shot. That would have no. been a much better story. I mean, I told you I like unhappy endings. I thought but that, that would have been, been... There would have been nothing left that, there. Yeah, I know. And this been pretty story leaves... Huh? Right, right. And this story well, that, leaves us... I was really lost when I started speaking German. Ending, but ending, but, but leaves us with something. And I appreciate having something. So I will hand that to you, White Yodi, is that you could have left us with nothing, but you did leave us with something, and I appreciate that, even if it wasn't a happy ending. We're left with hope. You know, I guess there's so. that little bit down at the bottom of the box, I guess. And and so right now you wonder at the ending of the story, like yeah, I can see why it's a little bit frustrating to you, and I think it could be to other folks because it, it is very kind of in some regards a non ending. Um, in that you know, right, he's going on to light a candle and, you know, so that shows that, you know, maybe he's thinking about this more, accepting about it more, and we don't know what's going to happen next. But I feel like because he's been there and done this, he isn't going to be neutral anymore in what happens, that he can't be. It, does, they, it doesn't tell us what the content of his award-winning magazine article says. No, it doesn't either. 
But no, that's what I'm saying is I don't get any kind of sense this has affected him in any way other than his personal loss. And I think that is what I would be looking for. I think it will. I think it, I think it I, has I, I think to... you're honestly just kind of reading your views into the story. And maybe perhaps this, the views that you might be more knowledgeable of, mm-hmm. of White Yodi. Maybe you know his views, but I don't know his views. Mm-hmm. And I can't, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to just read them into the story myself. And I'm trying not to project my own views onto it either. Mm-hmm. So all I'm getting out of it in the end is a I personal can't, romance. I can't make a, but the thing is, I, based on that, like I can't make a conservative reading out of this story that would hold any water. So, you know, uh, that's kind of why I'm saying what I'm saying. I just thought it focused way too much on the gringo. Mm-hmm. It does. And that's, that is a good point. And I think that's a valid point that we could say. I mean, what, what was the joke I made when we were at the grocery store? It was like, oh, when Rosa Parks sat on the front of the bus, she didn't know she would sit next to the love of her life. Yeah, that's how that's, that's kind of how I read this story in a way, and, and it's that's like, a very oh, cynical oh, and take. it also happens to be somebody who looks exactly like the author. And that's that's a very yeah, cynical it's very take, cynical. But I know. I come think on. There, no, I think there's some valid criticism in there. Can we go on? When I do the same thing though, that's why I'm critical of it. I mean, yeah. I never even think about the possible racial implications of my story until I'm reading them afterwards and kind of right. realizing it would be very easy to read this as some kind of minority character. Mm-hmm. Just the terminology I'm using. I don't know. Well, but, uh, he's uh, he's at least being more delicate than I am then in that in that regard. We can't have the dogs barking in the back of the podcast. Those are some bad dogs. <laughs> um, no, I think it, and you're right. And there, you don't want to get into in in the story because of the nature of its structure and its politics. I think you know, kind of comes close to you know. The, I think you could read it that way. Yeah, the one that I'm critical of the stories that try to observe a outside culture mm-hmm. but it's very clear that the focus of the story itself is a different culture right. like the focus of the story is very clearly a, 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 a white american i mean they right. say it multiple times and so like it kind of makes the story feel handicapped from the first because you have to imagine you're not getting an authentic experience kind of like when he's talking about the food like it's just so much more authentic in mexico than in, in, the, in the food trucks and i guess i'm applying kind of the same feeling here to the to the story itself I'm getting not much more than a kind of a romance out of this from someone who is so very clearly kind of on the outside of it. And maybe but you can focus it that, more on the... I think that is what saves this story in terms of, you know, this kind of racial framework um, in, in getting into this old kind of colonial story, I suppose, is kind of what you're talking about. And what saves this story is that rather than being the hero of our story, the protagonist is not. He is... You know, he doesn't really do anything, and he is on the outside. And I think that's what keeps it from becoming one of those stories. It doesn't turn into, oh, we were saved by the white guy. No, but the hero in. the hero gives up his life for the for the white guy. Mm-hmm. And it seems pretty close to I me. I think he gives up his, yeah. There is that. There is that. And, well, it's like watching an old movie. It's like, oh, well, there's, you know, the black lieutenant. Like, he, who's going to be the first killed by the... You know, whatever, and and yeah, you could see that in this movie. I I feel like, I think it's a valid concern. I don't think it crosses. There, I feel like there's a fuzzy line. It's not line. insensitive. I'm just saying it leaves something wanting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not like he wrote an insensitive for me. Story. It, I'm not saying I, that. I feel like there's a fuzzy line there, and it doesn't cross it for me. I feel like it's still okay because it carries an outside, and because I think he's trying to rope. Um, a certain kind of reader into thinking about this more, and that's a character. That's his connecting character. That's our protagonist. Yeah, I see. So I think that's our entry. That's our entry point character, and that's why he's there. I see. I have a question. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, how comfortable are you accusing other people of racism? Really depends. I'm like a ten. I love doing it. I love yeah. calling other people racist. Yeah, don't you find that fun? Really? I'm the only person who like enjoys this. And I enjoy it because I realized like everybody must have really awful racist thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Did you ever spend like 10 minutes inside your own head? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you didn't find any racist thoughts whatsoever? Well, I haven't like... <laughs> have you not examined them? Like turned them over and thought, well, this could maybe be... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. See, I just find and it... I've taught... I've helped, I just find I've it fun because I think a lot of people don't do that. I've taught racism class, so... No, it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I just think it's fun more than anything because people really respond negatively to it. I don't know it. if I I would never call it fun. I would call it important. Really? Important? Oh, it's important. I would call it important to think about but important your own subjectivity. Fun. But I okay. I it, I don't know. I don't know if it's fun necessarily. Though there are a lot of comics that make it fun, so I will give I will give you that. No. So I think it can be. I don't know. It's usually, I'm just talking with my own personal. It's, it's point fun of view just to now. get the reactions from people. Yeah. But no, I think I think we've got a particular entry character here who is purposely written it because here's a there's a world with furries and it's a world with Mexicans and it's a world with Anglo white people and and in this world with all these different possibilities, like there's a reason why this character is a white guy a white Anglo he's guy. Because a journalist from the United States. Well, yeah, but he could be a black journalist from the United States. Why he is could he a white journalist? He could be a Hispanic journalist from the United States. He could be a Japanese journalist from the United States. So I think it's because White Yodi is, ex- again, it's this political thing where he's explicitly talking to the people who probably care about this or have the least reason to care about this because it is talking about privilege. If you're white journalist from the and this is what happens to this guy if you're a white journalist from boston you don't have to worry about this because it doesn't really affect your life particularly Mm -hmm. directly and here's a case where he has to go down there and then he learns that yeah it affects my life and that's Mm -hmm. why that's why he's this because who is the most privileged person you know group of people in the u.s well that would be white uh, you know, Boston middle or class, right? Yeah. So here's a good example of here's somebody with a lot of privilege in our society, mm-hmm. and throwing him into a situation where he is literally a moment away from being shot, and that privilege doesn't matter. See, I asked if this was a pro-American film because I mean, a pro-American story because I think there is certain like, something that is like is a little bit devious about ever representing the United States mm-hmm. as like a, a positive destination. And I think about this only because I, I think of how um, these expressions project themselves in other parts of the world. Mm. If you've ever read A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Bey, or how mm-hmm. you pronounce his name, B-E-A-H, uh, one of the, 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 the most illustrative parts in that, in that uh, memoir is when he's talking about watching uh, films from the United States that was Rambo, Rambo specifically, mm-hmm. And just how great and incredible the United States seemed to um, these African tr- child soldiers, just because of what they saw in the mm-hmm. in the movies. Mm-hmm. So, do you think just writing a story where the characters are just so enamored with the United States and the entire idea is just to get to the United States? Do you think maybe that in and of itself just makes it kind of no? Because I think there's this also clearly in the story. Like I said, there is clearly in the story a problem with the united states and a problem with how the u.s is not dealing with the situation as exemplified by our protagonist dealing with the problem that everybody wants to live there because it's so wonderful no dealing with well in in part because why is that the case because of all these structural inequalities the united states and the imf are behind so yes Mm. yes okay um, I, th- I think that's in the story. I, I think it's definitely in the story. And I, don't, I wouldn't call the story anti-United States. I don't think it is. But I think it's critical of the role the United States is playing because that is who our protagonist is. He is the embodiment of the United States in this situation. I think this is where we defer because I just think it could have been a bit stronger on See, I'm not, I don't, criticism of the United States because it could have been more forward. That's all. I think it was a great story. I thought mm-hmm. it was very well written. I'm just talking about my own I think it was pretty darn critical, it. but that's me. Well, you know, I, I want I want somebody to get smashed up in the head and get a bloody nose. I think our, our standards are just different. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, you just prefer the more dry intellectual sort of offense. I want to see someone eviscerated. Okay. In terms of an argument. Easy there, Tamerlane. <laughs> what? <laughs> said easy there, Tamerlane. <laughs> Don't get the reference right over my head. Uh, Explain Genga, to the people Genga's on the broadcast. Khan. Uh, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah. Tamerlane. Khan. Genghis Khan. Another name. Yeah. Okay. It's Tamerlane. I guess I'm just saying, like when I when I when I read something that has political connotations to it, I love to see them really exploded and like pursued really aggressively. That's all. What I would argue is, and, and it's like is, just, it ends up being like a tease to me. That's what it is. It ends up being like a tease to me when it's set within this 
within this uh, context and it has so much potential for this kind of um, exploration, but then ends up being mostly my romance. It's a great story. It just is, ends up being a tease for someone like me who prefers something My different. response is you are ready to hear that kind of critique. And I would say most people are not. And this is from experience having taught roots of racism at college level, which you know gets in uh, structural inequality and all these things. Is if you lay it on the students the first week, I see what you're half saying. Half of them will stop listening to you like because the they have instantly course. decided that you have this political viewpoint and you hate the U.S. and da 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 whatever, and they stop right. listening to you and they will never listen to you for the rest of the semester. So you have to instead slowly build up an evidence, build up an evidence, build up evidence, build up evidence, build up evidence, add in little things, add in historical things until it is so obvious I see that things like structural inequality are still taking place in our society that at that point, you know, well into the semester, they have enough evidence experience that they can't, you know, they have to accept the conclusion because now they know what you're talking. But if you lay it out on the first day, half of them will go, that's not true. Why are you attacking me? So what we're looking at here is introductory immigration issues for privileged white men through furry sex. I think a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think there's a bit of that. I think it could have been more I don't think that's, then. I think, I don't think that's the whole story, obviously. Um, if there's but any I erotica, this is, is an erotica. I think that is an important component to the story. If there's an erotica, this is erotica because mm-hmm. it, it does that like fade to black mm-hmm. thing. Even more erotic. I think even erotica is a bit more. Um, yeah, this isn't quite there. No, this is just a story. I think this is yeah. this is a pretty clean story. Oh well, they're a gay couple, but that's it. And I'm not willing to go like, oh, oh my god, we got to protect people from the gay couples and story. No, obviously we don't believe that. But okay. no, I think. Uh, you know, because you are ready for one level of critique in terms of policy, it does not mean everyone is. I see what you're saying. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like an introductory lesson, but uh, well, I said, I, and good. I'm it's I'm not going to say it's that's why the story exists, but I think that's part of why the story exists. All right. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the story exists for the romance? I think he's got. I think he had a story to tell about. I mean, I think it is largely a political thing, but I think he, you know, had a story to tell about a person who has to become involved at some point. And, and that, like I said, that person is an avatar for the country, I think, on, on, I on more than one level. So, yeah. I believe that furries are the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I've been God. saying this, by the way. I think furry nerds are the future. Of the internet. I mean, it's going to be like jocks in the 80s. And mm-hmm. then in like the 2030s, we're going to be looking at back on the 20s, 10s, and 2020s and how the furry culture was like really the root of all the evil, like the degradation oh, of society. God. You're so down on that's furry just, No, that's just time. how... No, I'm joking. Like, come on now. I'm trying to pass a, like a popular culture narrative here because that's how it always seems to work, right? Like for like five years, things are popular. And then 10 years later, that popular thing was the cause of all the problems. Those fucking hipsters. And there's fucking jocks, there's fucking hippies, there's fucking flapper girls. And then 30 years after that, they're just the history. So, like, then well, in 2040, we're just looking again. at, like, remember when furries were popular on the, like, the, on the, on the you well, know, birthday cards have, or grandchildren like, getting on your parties, 65th birthday? Like, oh, dude, it's a furry party. Just like that, just like in the teens. <laughs> but, they'll, but they'll completely get like the chronology. We're gonna dress up in fursuits and watch Jaws in 3D. Yeah, nice. It's like, dude, no, that was like the 70s, man. Get your fucking pre-American. Thing. Oh. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Like, well, do, do you have anything else to add? Out of the future. What? No. Do you have anything else to add? No. Alright, I, I really I enjoyed it. We, we both enjoyed this story, I know. So thank Good you. Good story. Thank you, thank White you, Yodi. Thank you, B Hop, for reading it. You keep saying it, it's, it's white yodi, you know, like coyote. I said, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, white yodi, like coyote. Well, you could say coyote either way. He's like, yeah. I like the coyote with the... He's a, he's a, he's a coyote. Like the, he's a coyote. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a coyote. Right. So I like, I like the... I like the... I like... It probably comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons where, you know, the couple where he actually talked and he was like, Wild E. Coyote, super genius. (laughs) And he says, so that's where I get it from. Wild E. Coyote? Wild E. Coyote. Super genius. I was going to say where I grew up, coyotes. They're they're beautiful. Uh, They're some of my favorite animals, yeah. I've heard them sing a couple times. 
uh, but in Colorado. What do they I've do? Seen around here. Uh, yeah, auto tune. <laughs> um, they're very auto tune the moon. They're very hip. <laughs> um, no, they were got family sing up by the cabin on two on two different mountains, kind of singing to each other. And then uh, there's a couple. They mate for life, by the way. Typically. Oh wow. Um, there's a couple that lives right by my parents' house, and so when we were there uh, over the winter. We had the window cracked one night, and right about three a.m. All of a sudden, they like started singing right, like at the foot of the yard, <laughs> and cool. woke me out sou- out of sound sleep. But it was awesome. That's so, so cool. Yeah, they're some of my favorite. If I wasn't an otter, I would probably be a coyote, actually. Really? Believe so we have to do our backup personas now. That's my backup. That's I told the, you what happened. My backup. That's was, my right? failover persona. <laughs> Your failover? Yeah. Fail, I don't get it. Failover. That's, a, that's an IT term. Like if you lose your like a business, you know, like your failover connection is. So if you lose your main oh, internet connection, it'll automatically switch over within a second or so to a backup internet connection, which maybe isn't as good, but still works. You can still saying. do your business. So that's my failover persona as a coyote. But I've told you my failover persona then, right? I don't know. Skunk. Yeah, skunks are hot, man. Fuck yeah, they are. Skunks Damn. are hot. It's a distinctive fur pattern. Yeah. They're, that's they're, what it is. They're definitely The hot. presumption that they smell terrible. I mean, that's also they're alluring. Hot. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, 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 I like I, the idea of like, having a like, 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 like smell awful and just keep everybody away from them. Because that's, you know, just the, um, you're such the a hermit fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're an amazing fellow. Everybody, you know, all our fans, next, when we go to our first. Oh, I want to meet Tunes's. You know, hopefully, you know, maybe next summer or something, we'll go to our first con together, like together. We'll go to a con, and everybody will be cool. like, everybody will be like, oh, Skip, how good to see you. And they're like, First of all, like, you're not dating? And I'm like, can I talk to him, or is he going to, you know, reject me or whatever? I do get called like, that no. guy. That guy. Off and off. That guy. I've seen that. Oh, Toons is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you've, never seen, you've never seen that for yourself? No. You've never seen, oh, Skip, that guy? No. No, I, oh, so, oh, Toons is that guy. I've seen he's that. a good guy, though. Like, he's really fun to hang out with, and it's just you got to learn to not, not listen to anything he's saying. <laughs> And then he's Thanks okay. Thanks for defending me, Skip. Thank you. You're I really welcome. appreciate you're you welcome. But yes, we're not dating. I've been asked that a bunch. Yeah, too. we're also not dating. I have yeah, we a both have. We both have boyfriends. So yeah, so and each everybody. other. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's it, folks. So uh, we will see you next week with a new show. Probably. Probably. No, we'll have Most a new likely. show up. We'll have a new show up. Yeah, we're not doing this. Before.